Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. Hey, Gordon. Last time we were here, we talked about sharpening, and we received some very nice compliments on the episode from listeners, which naturally leads to the perceived other side of sharpening, but is noise. What's your take on digital noise as it pertains to photography? Well, if sharpening leads to noise, does disgruntled lead to gruntled? It does. Oh, okay. It does. I'm and you so and I are both. You, you and I are both quite gruntled today. We are. We are. And if yes. you don't know what that means, look <laughs> it up because we did. <laughs> okay. What's your take on digital noise? He says. It is. This is that's a good question. I am wondering, because very often you get into a discussion of noise and everybody assumes you know what noise is, and I'm not sure we do. So I'm wondering if what I see as noise is the same as what you mean by noise. And listeners may have some of the same confusion. I've discussed it as my perception of noise is the appearance of a speckling in an image where one would prefer not to see any kind of speckling. And generally, uh, I see this in areas of low brightness, and it also appears to be related to sensor size, because I get asked this question frequently. Is your camera very noisy? And so, I don't know. So that's sort of my take on it. How far off the ball am I? I don't think you're off the ball at all. In fact, in imaging science, what you refer to as speckling is in fact how it's referred to. It it almost looks like little white dots and little black dots. Right, salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. And in fact, that's exactly how it's described in one of the methodologies for dealing with noise as a salt and pepper solution. Okay. That's again, we've learned something. But this is going to be an educational session. Now, one of the areas that people sometimes get confused about, and you had asked this prior to us sitting down, is noise, grain. Are they the same thing? And the reality is, to quote you, or Dante Bonaduce, <laughs> if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But in this case, no, there isn't a relation between grain and noise. Grain's the physical attribute of an acetate-based film that has a layer of emulsion put on it. And then that emulsion gets processed by chemicals. Grain is fascinating. And (laughs) there are myriad websites devoted to the ongoing discussion of grain. Too much time. Yeah, too long, didn't read. Consequently, though, people will sometimes equate the concept of grain with digital noise. Digital noise is a product of imaging on a digital sensor. It has nothing whatsoever to do with grain. So when we see actual grain, which only happens on film, it is representative of the size and the shape of the actual halide salts that are on the film itself. Different films have different grain structures. Again, a nice long topic for when you are having some insomnia because people like to argue which shaped grain is prettier. <laughs> and that's okay. Whatever floats their boat. 
Okay, whatever it takes. Noise, on the other hand, is a digital manifestation. And if you super extra hyper magnify it, it always looks like the surface of a pixel. So that is different. Now, some software, and you brought up in prior conversation, but wait, Lightroom has a slider to add grain. You're right. And in this case, what the application is doing is it's providing you a filter. Okay. A filter that is going to create the illusion of shaped green particles to make your digital image look like film. And we also saw, less so today, but in the past we used to see a lot of tools from folks like VSCO and DXO that would simulate a film as a plugin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Give it not only the same color space, but also give it the same grain space as a film. Oh, because I'm converting to black and white and I want everything to look grainy like Tri-X, push two stops. Okay, well, you could do that, but it's just a filter. It's got no relation to noise. It's an algorithm, just like any other filter. So a preset, basically. Basically. Okay, to allow you to make apply a look of maybe aging or a prior age or whatever to yeah, or, whatever your Yeah, exactly, to make it look okay. like you shot it on film. Okay, understand. So, okay, so I got that part. So then maybe you could drill down into what digital noise actually is and what causes it and what should we be aware of in dealing with it. Okay, well, let's, let, let's make an effort to do that. Anytime we have a signal of some kind, could it be a visual signal, an audible audio signal, just a general electrical signal, or it could also be analog or digital, and there's going to be some level of noise that conflicts with the valuable information, the valuable data. Right. And the relationship between signal and the noise, unsurprisingly, is called the signal-to-noise ratio. Genuine. It's one of those terms that actually vaguely makes sense, which is terrifying in our world today. And in general, a higher ratio is better. You want a high signal to low noise. Okay, yes. Because then it sounds better or it looks better. Noise in a digital image can come from a variety of sources, but in photography, we can narrow those down to some fairly large contributors. And as you mentioned, you are asked because you use a camera with a smaller sensor, the micro four thirds sensor, people ask you, well, is your camera noisy? And your correct answer was, I've never heard it talking to me. <laughs> but the reality is sensor size does have an impact on noise with smaller sensors having the potential to appear noisier. And the actual outcome has to do with how much the image size is increased before noise starts showing up. The sensors, in fact, today do an excellent job, but the larger we make the image from its native size, what we would determine its pixel dimensions to be, the more noise we're going to see. Okay. So when I blow up an image to 100% to effect sharpening or whatever I'm seeing speculation all over the place. 
So that is what you're talking about. That's what, what I can't see when it's small, I yeah. see when it's big. Right. But okay. also remember to consider proper viewing distance, right? Yes. Because when you are blowing up or digitally magnifying the image, for the purpose of checking your sharpening, you're also digitally magnifying any noise that's appearing. Correct. And okay. that may not be, you may not be looking at it at the same viewing distance you would if it were a print. Right. Or sized up on screen. So okay. just a consideration there. What's interesting is when that happens, we're not seeing any collapse in the signal to noise ratio. The signal to noise ratio is what it is. Yes. But what's happening is we're making it bigger. We're simply making the image size larger than it was natively. That's okay. That's part of life. And we might see it more now because we can make it bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller. Oh, yeah. We've got way more, so, more tools. Absolutely right. Okay. Now, there, it is, it is absolutely true that some sensors appear to do a better job at dealing with noise. But more often, what we see as digital noise pertains to the second area of impact, which is, and you said it too, low light sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So we understand sensors gather light. They don't know that there's a picture there. And all sensors have an upper and a lower limit to their ability to handle light. We see this portrayed in documentation as their EV range. Mm -hmm. As we approach the lower limit of the capability of the sensor, noise increases because the signal to noise ratio is diminished as the light level drops. Yeah. It doesn't decrement linearly. It actually goes into a fairly rapidly increasing curve. Right. So for example, if something is showing noise at EV minus one, it won't may not show double the noise at EV minus two. It could show four times the noise. Okay. Because it's a nonlinear mathematical function. This is different from film. Because in film, to get a higher ISO, we use different chemistry. Mm -hmm. We used different grain structures. Mm -hmm. We did use different yes. con construction models. And this is sometimes that where people still get confused. What's happening in a digital sensor, when we want to get images that are occurring in lower light, the only way to do that is to throw more power at the pixel. As we throw more power at, at it, we're going to get more signal but we're also going to get more noise. That's just how it works. So as we increase the power and have to drive it into lower areas of sensitivity, it diminishes that signal to noise ratio and we're going to get it. And some photographers will often say, I can't raise my ISO on my digital camera beyond some value because the image gets noisy. That's absolutely true. Right. Their perception is bang on accurate because the increase in noise is that steepening curve. Now, we also understand that a smaller sensor, but with a similar pixel count, because we have to chase the megapixels. Right. Everything's got to have lots of megapixels. We know that a smaller sensor with a similar pixel count is going to have smaller pixels. That's just physical two-dimensional reality. Sure. When we make those pixels smaller with a smaller surface area to make them equivalently sensitive to a pixel with a larger surface area, we have to give them more power. 
and that's decreasing the signal to noise ratio relative between sensor sizes because it's relative to pixel surface area and thereby that increases what we perceive as visible noise. So in Lightroom, for example, we see sliders that have control over luminosity noise and color noise. And I was really not aware. I saw the sliders, but I wasn't sure what they were doing. And I did not realize that there is a difference between the kind of noise that we see and one is one more visible, more annoying, more troublesome than the other? Well, obviously noise is subjective to different people. I think we appreciate that. Yeah. We tend to see luminosity noise sooner. The speckling so is effect. that why the luminosity noise control is the first one you see in Lightroom? I can't say that that's true, but that seems to be a logical conclusion. Okay. However, while we may see luminosity noise first, the speckling effect. Color noise is way more annoying because color noise is an actual shifting of the hues. Oh, okay. And so the color starts to look not quite right. Okay, so as the noise gets more, there may be shift in, your, in the color pattern that you're seeing on your image. Well, definitely yes. color noise is going to cause that shift. And that's why there's two sliders. Okay. Because they're two different kinds of problems. We have to deal with them independently. They're coming from the same source. But again, when we start to see color shift, and we are pretty sensitive to it, that's the one that stands out and goes, now I'm unhappy. Learning point number three for this podcast. Excellent. So I am a Lightroom user. I see a couple of controls for noise. But then I know that there are all these plugins that are being produced touting this incredible noise reduction. Do they have better noise reduction? Is this to be expected or are they something very different from what the, the standard noise reduction processes are? Right. Well, there are a, a number of methodologies to deal with noise. When we look at dedicated noise plugins, we tend to find more sliders and more controls. So they have more finite control over noise reduction, but they also then have more complexity. Okay. So it appears to me, and I was not part of their team, but I would understand why we have two sliders in Lightroom. Okay. Those two sliders do a good job. And for a lot of people, that's all the control they need. That'd be me. Carry on. <laughs> and maybe all the control they ever want. Okay. Yes. Because we don't want to create option paralysis when I can do it in one slider or I can do it in 22 with knobs and dials and twisties and I got to stand on my head to make the third <laughs> one work. There's folks who just aren't going to be interested in that. Yep. And that's not unreasonable. Now, even before the raw file or JPEG file is constructed in the camera, we already know that there's pre-processing happening in the camera. And mm -hmm. one of the things that the makers do is some level of noise reduction. Yep. We have no control over what they're doing or how they're doing it. They define it. Yep. But we do accept and we know that JPEGs are always... Right, so JPEGs have always noticed... Uh... 
I noticed actually from one of the presentations we did at the camera club is I took an image that I had that had been processed a couple of times and I put it up there. He said, oh my goodness, look what happened to this. Well, and so, we know that JPEGs are always going to be more prone to noise because when we create that JPEG, we're throwing so much data away, right? Depending on the quality of the JPEG we're creating, we're typically throwing, in the case of JPEG fine, we're still throwing 70 plus percent of the data away. And this is another reason why many photographers prefer working in RAW, not because they say RAW is better, but because they like the image quality better because it has less inherent noise. Right. Now, typically we, as photography maker, photograph makers and editors, we deal only with luminosity and color noise. And these additional plugins, which do include this level of granular control, and more comprehensive noise reduction algorithms maybe use less. Okay. Because it is that trade-off between simplicity and complexity. And personal preference matters a lot to these people. Yep. I, well, I, I can certainly see that. And I'm seeing an analogy between doing your your basic processing in in Lightroom, rather than sending everything you want to do over to Photoshop. Definitely better, but more complex. And does complexity improve things? Well, it depends. Well, I don't know whether it improves things, but it's certainly more of an effort to do. As more work, yeah. certainly. So when we talked about sharpening, you shared that there were a lot of different approaches to sharpening. And I was wondering, so if there's different ways we can we can produce the sharpening. Is this sort of true for noise reduction as well? Or should we just carry on with whatever we've got and say, well, this is as good as it's going to get? There are many different approaches to noise reduction. And many software providers are going to use multiple methodologies, but not tell you which ones they're using or how much they're using of them. Okay. But I still think it's useful for people to have a simple perspective on what these methodologies are. When we see luminosity or color noise, they tend to take on one of two dominant noise models. You already described one, salt and pepper noise. Looks like specs. Management of this has been improved at the sensor over time. And our CMOS sensors that we have in our cameras today are much less susceptible to this type of noise than the first CCD sensors that we had in digital cameras. Gaussian noise is a different approach. It's more evident today because we see it as a shift of all the pixels. And when we measure the shift of the pixels, we find that their distribution looks like a Gaussian curve, a bell curve. And this is oriented around pixel distortion. There are multiple methodologies for addressing noise. So the noise reduction software makers address noise via these different means. We don't get to pick which ones they use. What we want when we're doing noise reduction is not to give up detail, right? And in older systems, we saw this happening. We would turn up the noise reduction and the whole image would get softer. If you're still seeing that, it's time to step into the present and change your noise reduction model. Okay. I mean, we talked about it in the case of sharpening. There was sharpening that was good in Photoshop CS6 or Lightroom 5, but the world has changed. Mm -hmm. And to take advantage of these new tools, we also need to be open-minded. 
what we want to have is noise reduction that doesn't create this softening effect. Right. When we see that softening, what we're seeing is a process called linear smoothing. Okay. And when we talked about sharpening, we talked about deconvolution al algorithms. Right. We've sometimes heard that noise reduction and sharpening are opposites to each other. And in the past, that was absolutely true because linear smoothing involves convoluting the pixels. And it, if you deconvolute it, you sharpen. If you convolute it, you You're soften. taking out noise, which is softening. Softening, okay. By reducing the contrast and blurring the edges, mm -hmm. oh, look, the noise has gone away. But so has some of the detail. This model works, but it's an old model, and people don't like it so much because of that softening effect. A more modern methodology is called anisotropic diffusion. I'm impressed you can say that. I'm guessing at the pronunciation, and it's, I admit it. It sounds pretty darn good. Now, this is based on, on the heat equation from physics, and it does a better job at edge detection because it uses a Gaussian mask. And we talked about Gaussian masking when it came to some of the initial sharpening models. Right. So this is doing the same sort of thing in reverse. And when they apply that mask, they apply a coefficient of diffusion. This is developed over time through sampling. This provides us with better noise reduction with less softening of the image as a whole. We take that a step farther with what's called non-local noise reduction, and it's a type that uses pixel swapping. Literally finds like pixels, some exhibiting noise, some not exhibiting noise, and move, make copies of the non-noisy pixels and replace the ones that are noisy. Bit more mathematically intensive. And the process does introduce some wait time. Now, I know that you're a Nick software owner and that you've used Define in the past. Mm -hmm. Yep. Think of how control points work. Yep. Want to replace this, and I want to get it from over here. Right. That's a that's, really that's good example pretty. of kind of how non-local works. I'm okay. replacing something that's not so hot with something that's better. And that's giving you the control, and you can use your eyes to say, well, this has got noise, and this doesn't. Exactly. So that's it's increased complexity, but it's also in com increased control. Okay. We can take that to a next step with, without the human intervention through nonlinear filters. And what they'll do is they will look at all the pixels and then group them into matrices of pixels that are similar, then calculate the medium value for all the pixels in the matrix, and then set all the pixels in that matrix to the median level. Okay. This will deliver excellent edge detection. But if you zoom in too close, it starts to look a little bit crunchy. Mm -hmm. I can see that happening. Now, there are lots of other noise reduction models, but they're used less often. And to go into them in any kind of detail, I, my fear is that all it does is create more confusion. On I think that would probably be true because we, we appreciate knowing now that all this complexity is going on in the background. But basically what we want to know is the noise going away or is it not going away? And if it's not, then we want a different program. I think that's fair. So is this, in your opinion, where noise reduction is going to end or in like sharpening, is it going to 
continue to the next frontier? Well, the data suggests that it's going to continue evolving. What we euphemistically call AI software, it is taking us to the next steps of noise reduction. And what is happening through increased raw compute power is we're able to take the methodologies we've talked about, but add in new ones like wavelet and statistical distribution modeling, add in block modeling and add in something called random field models. And if all that sounds a bit like gobbledygook, to the regular person, it is. There's, we don't have the need as generalists to understand what they're doing. And frankly, they're quite complex. But what we could consider as this next step in noise reduction only comes because we are delivering more raw compute power yes. at the device level. Right. Better graphics processors, more comprehensive CPUs. We're throwing a lot more memory at computers now than we did in the past. Mm -hmm. And so these AI-like tools give us more capability. So just as we see more, the most powerful sharpening tools requiring more computational power, it's the same thing is true from the most powerful noise reduction tools. Right. But as we're getting here, we see a breakage of the relationship between sharpening and noise reduction. And that's a good thing. Okay. Because we want to be able to increase sharpening without increasing noise. Right. And we want to be able to reduce noise without diminishing sharpening. Right. Impressive. Who knew? This is all very well and good. But what, on an average, everyday basis, do you use for affecting noise reduction in your images? Well, this is the divergence of technology and art. I use both Lightroom and Capture One as photo editors. I have others and all of my common applications do some noise reduction automatically when I open an image for edit. Okay. They just do it. I don't get hit. Right. I don't even get to turn it off. <laughs> okay. And in my case, I rarely go to noise reduction at all. It, it's not something I go to because I don't think about it. I'm getting less caught up in the tech or what the internet has to say or what somebody wrote in an online magazine. I'm focusing, and this is my choice, on whether the image is effective or not. So I like to think about something that my friend Rick Salmon says. He tells a story that if you see the noise in the image first, you have a boring image mm -hmm. because there's nothing else that's attracting the viewer's attention. Right. You can take that a step further, and we've talked about the danger uh, and the inherent disaster that occurs in pixel peeping because if you pixel peep, you're going to see noise. Yep. However, it's a pointless act because now if you view the image on a screen or on a print at its proper viewing distance, even if there's noise, so long as the image is compelling, whatever noise is there does not matter because it's the image that matters. So in my case, I rarely will ever even touch the noise reduction sliders. So I don't need to. Now let's consider the scenario where I do have a photo that I like. And for whatever reason, I don't like the amount of noise. And that has happened. But that is, that's my fault for buying into an advertisement that replacing one camera with another was going to give me better images. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that in fact, the version Mark II generated as much, if not more noise than the original. That's got nothing to do with noise reduction. That's got everything to do with me believing marketing. In that case, 
I'm always going to try Lightroom's noise reduction. It's simple to use and frankly, for basically two sliders, it's really, really freaking good. You can get past an enormous amount of noise trouble if you believe in that sort of thing with just those sliders. But if you've got the scenario that I ran into, I needed to shoot with that camera at specific ISO levels because it happened to be a sporting game, hockey and an inside arena. I needed a certain level of ISO. It had been okay in the predecessor camera and frankly, I thought it was worse in the new one. Okay. And I found out very quickly that there were scenarios where the Lightroom or Capture One noise reduction would do a good job, but not to the level that I actually wanted to keep the photos. Okay. So in the past, I would go to Define and Net, yep. which was more comprehensive at the time, and see if I could make things better because it had more control and richer noise tools. And at that time, it was true. But now I would say that Lightroom's native noise reduction is as good or better than what I have in that plugin, which really hasn't changed a whole lot right. in a number of years. Now, I could still run into a serious noise problem because I've chosen to use that camera, that sensor, because I didn't want to crop in a lot. Right. So I wanted to use the smaller sensor with the long lens so I had more reach. Right. Right. Less cropping. That all seemed to make sense. But I still have that noise problem. And I still have that noise problem in daylight. So aircraft photos. And for me, that that's that's an issue. Right. In that case, I've determined that even as good as Lightroom and Capture One noise reduction is, they're not going to fix the problem. And I will drop out and I will use a dedicated, powerful noise reduction specific application. And for me today, that's Topaz Denoise AI. I've tried a couple of others. It's not the fastest, right. but, it it, but it does what I need it to do. And if it can't, well, then the picture is not going to work and it's time to move on. Right. And I find that that works well because it uses these multiple denoising mechanisms and it's got this really large sample base in its programming so it can make better decisions about which algorithm to try to use to deal with the noise. Right. For the most part, it works. And when it doesn't, well, ash can that particular photo <laughs> because it's never going to get good. Now, what about you? What's your approach to noise reduction? Well, listening to you sir, talk about this, it's, it's kind of scary, actually, because that's essentially what uh, what I do. I have a very simplistic approach. Because of the number of times I've been asked whether my camera is noisy or not, I've sort of accepted, okay, I don't know whether this is true or not, but it, okay, I'm going to get something. Till now, it has been... A major adjustment has been using the luminosity slider in Lightroom. I didn't know about color noise, and I didn't know what the other sliders did, but now I do. So I've got a sneaky feeling that this is about to change, and I'll probably introduce more usage of those sliders as a control mechanism. When that doesn't work, or I've got an image that I really want to clear up the background a little bit, and I've photographed a bird in a dark surrounding where I didn't have choices, then I will go to a third-party noise reduction. Now, I have, I'm a cheapskate. I got uh, the Nick software when it was Google's, and I have not really found a big reason to change at this point. So for me, the Define 2 generally works very well, even without using the various complex methods where you can 
pick the areas that you wish to be more reduced or less reduced or whatever. I just let it run through its automatic program and I take a look at it. And then I come to the conclusion, if this is looking all right, then good. And if I have to work that hard on an image to get it to look good, I, I evaluate my photography and what am I going to do with this? I'm a essentially simple photographer. I'm not going to sell masterpieces anywhere. And if these steps don't get me a reasonable degree of noise reduction, as you said, it's Ashcan time. And you drop it and you move on. However, evaluate your image, see what you did different, or see what you should have done different, make a note of it, and try not to make the same mistake twice. I think that's a, I think that's a really great answer because I don't know that there's a whole lot much more we can do. You know, if I, if I found that using a particular camera with its native sensor produced more noise for an air, aircraft show than I like, I'm not going to use it again. I would probably use a different camera and suffer a little bit of cropping yep. and see if that improved. Or I might change my position, my desire, my goal, right. and be more comfortable not being as tight on the subject because I'm not looking for the same sort of thing. Right. I think that's reasonable. We're all different. We should choose what we want to get. And frankly, if it works, awesome. And if it doesn't work, well, well, then you have to make some other decisions. You make if another decision or you try if again. If this is going to drive day. me crazy with everything I'm doing, then change what I'm doing or yeah. change what I'm doing it with. Exactly. Now, I've relegated that particular camera to video because okay. I don't like what it does with stills. Okay. Hey, my choice. I bought it. Yep. Didn't work out. Thanks, Gordon. I think we've provided a good grounding in the realities and the truth around noise reduction. Without falling, deep, com your deep falling <laughs> completely down that rat hole. Well, I, I've, lear I've learned things uh, today that uh, I did not know, and I will find out, and uh, we'll make this work. Awesome. Thank you, as always, for being here. For the Make Better Photos and Videos <laughs> podcast, I am Ross. <laughs> and I am Gordon. <laughs> we might speak to you again soon. <laughs>